this is Allison Brennan. I am sitting here with Danielle Gerard, and we're going to be talking about her latest book, Up Close. I first want to thank Authors on the Air and Pam Stack for hosting us today. I'm really, really thrilled because Danielle is not only a really fun person to chat with, but she's also a very talented writer. And I know that um, she has a huge audience and hopefully then with this book, she'll be able to even expand it even more. Um, Danielle and I were, were talking before about where she's from. She's from Montana and I, I love Montana. I've only been there once, but I would love to go back sometime. My husband went to college there. It's a... Um, and I've even sent a couple books there, even though I've only been there once. Um, but, you know, research, research is our friend, which we are also going to be talking about. Um, Up Close is Danielle's 16th book, which I think is pretty amazing. She has three series, and this is the third book in the series. But I will admit, I didn't read the first two. I read one of Danielle's standalones a while ago, but I did not feel lost at all. I felt that this book absolutely can stand alone. Um, but obviously, if you want to get kind of the um, flavor of the characters as they evolve, because you're revisiting your favorite characters, you know, obviously start at the beginning. But again, as someone who reads series and reads standalones, I didn't feel lost. And I don't think you would either. So, um, Danielle, tell us a little bit more about you and about this series and your amazing character, Kylie, Kylie Millard, right? Yeah. Did I pronounce that right? Okay. No, that's perfect. <laughs> and um, first off, Allison, thank you so much. You're so kind. And I, we do have fun chatting. Allison has been on my Killer Women podcast and she's coming back for more because she writes like a million books a year. Um, but um, for those of us who can't pull that off. Um, so I am the author of 16 books. Um, my first book came out in 2000. So I've been doing this for a really long time. Um, it is such a labor of love. I feel, I know, I'm sure you, Allison feels so the same. We're so lucky to get to do this. It's a really hard job, but it's an amazing job. Um, I love to delve into sort of the worst case scenario of um, any situation. It's unfortunately for my children, it's also what I do at home. So I make them a little bit crazy. Um, this series is set in a, in a actually fictitious town in uh, North Dakota. I, I was drawn, you know, being in Montana, most of my books are set where I, where I actually grew up in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, but people kept asking me, you know, you should, you know, when are you going to do a book in Montana? Because we've been here 20 years. Um, and I just, there's something, I don't know if it's because it's my home that I don't really want mass murders to happen here, but there was something that drew me to North Dakota with the Balkan area oil stuff and the sort of boom and bust of that the, the small town of Williston. So I went there and did some research. It's so super interesting town. Um, and had some met some wonderful people. And so I decided to sort of create my own small town in North Dakota. So as not to imply that in Williston, there's, you know, there's millions of murders either. Um, <laughs> up, cl up close is the third book. I do work to make this books um, standalone. Like you said, I think that's important. But I, as you said, too, I think if you're uh, if you're a, if you're a series person, then start with Whiteout. Um, the story of Up Close is um, about uh, in this small town of Hagen, North Dakota, where three teenage kids have died, three seniors have died in sort of close succession under very different uh, circumstances. One drowned, uh, one very strong swimmer drowned in a pool. One 
drove his car through the plate glass window of the diner. Uh, and the third is found dead in a ravine. And they're all, even though of course they're, they don't appear related, they are somehow related. And there's something going on with the teenagers in the town of Hagen. And Kylie Milliard, who is our um, detective, is, you know, it's her job, but also this is now her town. She comes from Fargo. She was an outsider, finally feeling at home in, in the town of Hagen, finally loving her position there. And so she is really determined and, and terrified by the situation and determined to figure out what is going on before the next teenager dies. Um, well, and those are two, two great things I want to talk about. But first, I really, really love the way that you brought in Kylie's conflict and it, from the very, very beginning about how, you know, she really wants to go back to the bigger town. She wants to go back and leave, but she's also built this home and this kind of sense of community in the small town. And that conflict with her, like, I really love this town, but I really feel like I want to be in this other place. I think everybody can relate to. And I just think it was really masterfully woven in without hitting you over the head with it. You know, it's like, she's at that place in her life where does she want the bigger job, which has a greater chance of advancement, more money, bigger town, different crimes, you know, everything that goes with living in a larger community. Um, not that Fargo is San Francisco, but you <laughs> no, know, right, still right. have, it's still bigger. Um, or does she want this sense of family that she has found in this new town that she once felt like an outsider, but actually maybe is feeling more like she's belonging. And I think that conflict within her was very real and that readers can relate to that from a, from the non-murder standpoint of the story. Right. Right. But yeah, no, she was yeah. very interesting. Now, now, one of the things I want to ask you, because you have kids and they're grown up, but obviously they were once young and they were once in high school. Um, and I've actually recently started writing more teenagers. I've always written kids in my books that, you know, if it's relevant, but I've been a little bit more um, cognizant of that as my kids have gotten older. Mm -hmm. How much did you use either, not specifically your kids, but just the world of your children? Like, you know their friends and you know their friends families and the sports and the teachers and other kids at the school that you know the bullies or you know whoever how much did you draw in when you were developing this story because one thing is the story is very timely um it relates a lot to what teenagers face today yeah. it touches on social media it touches on um you know competition and also kind of this distrust between teenagers and the adults that are there to really to protect them. But the teachers know I can take care of myself. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing bad is going to happen to me. And I, I don't want to give anything away with the story, but it kind of touches on all of those things that both, you know, separates our children from us as parents and makes us, you know, even though once they get older, I hope that they realize that, oh no, our mom was really actually looking out for us. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's funny. So, you know, my first book came out when my daughter, who's now 23, was eight months old. And at that point there, you know, my worst fear, of course, was that, some, that something happened. My worst fear is always around the children. I, I know you know this. As a mother, it's like there is just no greater horror than the idea that something happens to your child. 
Um, and so I've always, you know, there's always been this part of me that writes because I'm a, a mom. I mean, first and foremost, right? I mean, I'm a writer and it's my job and I love it. And, it, and you know, but my children are my world. And so I do think that I, the children come in and they bubble up in books when, you know, when a story sort of touches me about the, those fears. And I think, you know, I feel like I, I oftentimes hone in on my own fears when I'm plotting a book. I, I think that's maybe, a, you know, a pretty normal thing we do. And it's nice that my children are past high school. I feel like in the world right now, and this, this book does not deal with things like high school shootings, but there's so much tough stuff on these young people with the pressures of social media, with the pressures of, you know, the peer pressures that always existed, but now everything's on film. So you can see what your friends did when, you know, when, when you weren't around, there's this idea of FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. There's, um, there's real risks in addition to sort of the, you know, people out there that are sort of luring our children one way or another. Um, and I, I used to think, oh, you know, once the kids are big enough that they can drive themselves, then I won't worry so much because, you know, I won't have to feel like I could lose them in the grocery store. And it's, it turns out that's not true. It's sort of, it's kind of the opposite, right? It's like, they say little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. And so I think that's what happened is that, you know, I, I feel like this, that stage of life for our children is, is so, is so terrifying. And, you know, and then it's terrifying for parents and they're, it's like you said, they're independent. So you can't make them do much of anything, right? You can't make them make their beds. So how are you going to make them avoid the kids you know are no good for them? Uh, so all you can kind of do is sit on the sideline and be prepared to jump and try to catch them at the at you know at the moment. So I think, like you said, nothing about this, nothing about the story relates specifically to my children, but that the things we know our kids get up to, the things we hear about them getting up to, the the tension between you know, I think it's a real tension too between like you being friends with one of the moms and not quite trusting the kid of that mom and not being able to say, you know, obviously you can say to your kid, like, I'm not sure that kid's a great influence on you, but you can't say that to the mom because she's your friend. There's all this dynamic, right? <laughs> You've known each other since the kids were little. So it's all in there, all those those bits and pieces of of, of raising children and of, and of being a teenager and then of watching what it's like to be a teenager now through the eyes of my own kids. No, and I, and I think it was very authentic. I think the teenagers reacted or acted realistically um, because I think after I had teenagers, I could actually, even though I used to be a teenager, it seems so far ago. It's a, it's <laughs> and a, it's a couple of years ago, right? Just, just a few years. Yeah. Um, but watching my kids all grow up I think I have a better sense of what teenagers today are going through and I think um that's why I can now write them a little bit I won't say easy because it's never easy as you know it everything right. has its own complications but it is a little bit easier than trying to say okay well what are teenagers facing today when I have these little toddlers running around and right. I have no idea what the high school is like right. um so I, I I but I love that because it is very timely and I think uh but it's not, I, kids in jeopardy is always a difficult subject to write. Um, what I liked is that you started with the murder rather than, um, or with, you know, the, well, obviously you, I'm not giving anything away. I mean, we know how he drowned. So, um, 
you start with it so you don't really get to know the kids before they die. And that's actually, I really, I like that. Not I'm right. dying, but I like where I don't get emotionally attached to right. the character right. and especially young people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I, I'll kill off anybody in my books, but if they're young people, I'm not going to kill them off in the middle of the book. And I mean, they right. have to be, you know, they're dying in that first chapter and then I don't have to be all, no. you know, oh, but I love them again. You know, right. You your so that was very, very well done. So if anybody's ever nervous about that, you know, you, yeah, you care because they're teenagers and you don't want them to die. But at the same time, you're not emotionally invested in him where you're like really upset. Yeah. I don't know. You. I don't know if you feel the same way. I do. And I, I think that is a, the reason why we sort of start with the, this tragedy that's already struck this town. And then we're, you know, then it's about, there is the sense that this, that since it's happened three times, it could happen again, but at least we're not dealing with like watching the kids die. And I don't, as a writer, you know, it's interesting because I, I do think that there's, there's plenty of writers out there that write that, you know, that write those kinds of scenes. I'm, uh, I, for somebody who writes such dark novels, I'm also kind of sensitive about certain things and certainly children, um, and dogs are actually are the things I just, you know, I, yeah, none of us wants to read about, a, a you know, the act, watching the act of a child die. So I, I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah, no, the, but um, now uh, one of the things that's kind of separate from this, this story. So this is a part of a series, but you've also written standalones. And this mm -hmm. is something that I've actually been thinking a lot about because I wrote my first standalone that comes out this summer um, but I've always written series. Yeah. What are the pros and cons for you as a writer from going back to familiar characters and create and writing another story within their series and then writing a standalone, which is, you know, completely a finite story, beginning, yeah. middle, and end. You're never gonna revisit those characters again. So it's funny. I mean, you're like a series master. I, I don't I don't know how you do it. Every book I've ever written started out as a standalone. I mean, not I should say every book I've ever written that, you know, that became a series that obviously the books after that, we knew they would be part of the series, but um, I wrote Whiteout as a standalone. And, you know, my publisher was like, we want another book in this town. Um, and that's how that for me, that's how they evolve. Right. And there's, and because I like to leave, you know, I, I like to leave a world where there's off, you know, where the, at least the reader can think about what might happen later. So it does give me inroads into the, into another story. And that is, you know, and then of course, once you do that, you have to go back and kind of figure out, give your character maybe a bigger arc. There's revisions, I think, when you're thinking when you're thinking about standalone versus series, right? You got to create a world that that naturally moves into another book when you're creating a series versus a standalone. I, you know, I'm naturally a standalone writer because I do. It's sort of like the um, Angela Lansbury predicament. You know, you have these people who, and it's one thing if it's a police officer, but in a small town, all of a sudden people keep dying. And it seems like, it seems like, oh my God, nobody ever is going to go to that town because for a town, the town, the population's under a thousand people. And so far there's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, 2% of them are dead by the end of these three books. So it's like, you know, you, so it's, sometimes it feels, you know, I mean, it's all fiction. So it's just entertainment. But Sometimes it feels like a stretch to keep killing people in these small towns. So for me, the standalone is is born from the a character who's in exactly the worst possible situate 
you know, mental, emotional situation to deal with whatever the plot is. I like to marry, and you do this too beautifully. I like to marry that, that because I feel like that's what the conflict of the internal mixed with the conflict of the external is what makes such a great story, right? Your character wants nothing to do with the situation. She or he is not in a position to handle it. And yet there's no choice. Here it is. Um, so I think that's what's fun about, you know, standalone. And and you can do that with a series, but it it starts to feel let, I think, and I can't, you know, my longest series is a five book series, but that series is actually a sort of a mixture of a series and a standalone because it's a called it's the rookie club series. Each book features a different rookie. So you're kind of, they're all linked stories. The women, you know, move through the books, but you're dealing with sort of that woman's story in that book. So other than that, the longest series I've done was the Annabelle Schwartzman series, and that was four books. So, um, and she was dealing, you know, with a very abusive um, ex-husband on the run. So there was a lot of fodder there for those books. Um, it's not my nature. It's really interesting. I think I'm, I am at heart and probably a standalone writer, but, um, you know, but then, you know, you get back into the world and there's something really, it's not that it's easy, but at least you know the world, right? I have a map of Hagen. I've drawn, I've drawn it up. I know where the <laughs> church is and the school and where everybody lives and where the bar that is really relevant in Whiteout is. And, um, and that is, it's kind of fun, right? It's like, you get to go back into the world and, and see what those characters, you know, are up to, how they've evolved. So there's kind of, I mean, there's, I think there's pros and cons of both. I can't, I mean, I have your standalone on my shelf and we're going to talk about it uh, later in Killer Woman, but I'll be, you, I'll be curious to hear what you think. Um, well, I've always kind of felt, well, the very first book I wrote, I wrote it as a standalone, but I had a bunch of characters in there. So I said, oh, well, I'll write about this character next and then this character next. Exactly. And that's kind of how I structured my trilogies. Um, but when I created Lucy Kincaid, I didn't expect her to go so long, but because you're right, you don't want there to be conflict and angst in every single book. And I don't want Lucy to have to revisit her trauma that she faced in her past in every single book. That would be completely boring. I think J.D. Robb does it the best. I mean, yeah. every like seventh or eighth book, there's something major that brings Eve to another step in her emotional right. journey. Right. So you're not dealing with it in every book because otherwise right. it'd just be too angsty. Right. Um, and you don't want them fighting in every book because then right. it's like, why get married if you're going to fight in every book? Make up right. sense. It's not that good. Right. You know, I mean, exactly. it's fun every once in a while, but you know, let's not every single book. So she does it. She's a master, I think. Yeah. Um, but I will say the standalone for me, the reason why it's hard, um, I mean, they're hard for different reasons. In a series, you have to make sure that the stories are unique and original and you don't want to be repeating yourself and you want to give your characters room to grow um, so over the course of the series without new readers feeling like they're completely lost. So, you know, there are challenges. But the easy thing is you are, like you said, you're revisiting the town. You know where everything is. You know their favorite bar. You know their favorite pizza place. You yeah. know the street names. You know what their house looks like. You don't have to recreate it. Right. The setting is all there. Even right. the characters, you know, your recurring characters, you know who they are. Yes. Um, and that's, it's not that it's easier to write, but there's a familiarity. So you're like coming home. It's like, oh, I really enjoy finding out what they're up to. Right. With a standalone, you're creating an entire world. It's, yeah. Or the first book in a series. 
Yeah. Um, you're creating an entire world, a new world. And it, it's a challenge because you have to figure out everything all over again. Right. And while it's fun, because yeah. it's something completely new right. and completely different and you get really excited at the same time, you're like going, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And it's going to take so much longer. Right. <laughs> you have to right. put it all together. That's exactly, it's true. But I, you know, and I think there's what is fun about a series too. And I think you touched on it is those characters. It is a bit like visiting old friends. And so I finished the Schwartzman series and yet I still have a book I want to write for, Ann, you know, for Anna and, and Hal, um, who are the characters there. And I, and it, it, it emerged, it, you know, it comes, it bubbles up in my brain. Like, when are you going to sit down and do that? Um, because it, it, there's something about, you know, you, you fall in love with these people and, you know, of course you're also putting them through torture. So it's a very twisted sort of love, but, um, <laughs> but you, you know, you kind of want to come back and see like, you know, what is, what's happening with them now? Like, you know, I left them in a really good place. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, I won't ruin that for people who haven't read that series, but, um, but now I'm like, oh, but there's so much more that can be done. And so, yeah, it's, they're both, they're, you know, they're both lovely. And then the discover. I don't know about you, but when I'm writing a new character, it takes me 50, 60 pages before I understand that character enough. And then I have to go back and kind of rework whatever I've written that once I sort of, it's sort of like, it's like getting to know a new friend, right? You talk to them and they weirdly talk back. I know that's, um, <laughs> I know that's I yeah I know that feels I'll, psychotic I totally understand, a little so. schizophrenic but um but it takes you know it takes the same amount of time probably that it, as it does to really get to know another person right if you imagine all that time in your head so that it's it you know it's a challenging oftentimes they do things and you think well I would never have chosen to do that what the hell <laughs> so <laughs> you know but it's it's part of the joy I think it's I think you're right there's real challenges um with both and there's real fun with both. No, I, I completely agree. And i someday I'll write another standalone. I just don't have the right idea. I have a, you know, I have a notebook where I'll like jot down ideas, but they're kind of like half-ass ideas. They're not really yeah. going to go any place, but when I get that one, I'll know it. Yeah. Cause you, you do. Once you get that negative idea, you go, Oh, this is going to be good. I, yeah. I know where this is going. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to see where you go next. So speaking of where you go next, mm -hmm. so this book up close comes out next week, correct? Yeah, the 23rd. So it's yes. will be out now, print, audio, ebook. All there, yeah. Any, any format that you like. I've been listening to more audios now. Me too. Than actually Me too, yeah. reading yeah. because I, I walk every morning and it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so what's after this one? Are you going to do another one in this series? Or are you going to do something a little different? I have um, finished a manuscript that is actually out um, with, uh, it's out right now. And it is a standalone. For sure, that one has to be a standalone. Um, uh, but, and I can't imagine how they'll make it into a series. So that is <laughs> that is the next thing. And then after that, I, you know, I don't know. I, ha I have an idea for another standalone um, I, you know, I think there's something that you said about the sort of the, uh, the jotting down ideas, I think to set up, to set a series, it also requires a really different type of idea, like a, you know, sort of a bigger cast of characters and a, 
and a lot like an the idea of a character arc and i haven't come up with one of those um yet it isn't to say that i wouldn't absolutely hop on another series because i you know there's there's fun in both and um so but right now the the book that i finished um and the one that i'm you know working on just just really starting are both standalones and and then you know maybe another series i think that's the fun part right if we can if this if the right story calls to you 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 follow the muse and hope you know she leads you the right <laughs> direction <laughs> yeah or you start drinking a lot that's <laughs> like, no why are you doing this that's the other option <laughs> exactly that's or eating ice cream is mine i'll just go eat some ice cream and say you know come on lady help me out yeah i need some help with this one okay so oh what one thing i did i actually wrote this down as this note um before before we wrap up you were talking about research and going to North Dakota for the research of your book. On your standalones, do you do the same thing? Are you doing as much research? And where do you do it in the process? Do you do it before you even start writing the book? Or do you do it kind of as you're writing? I love that research question because, I, I, you know, two um, good, amazing writers and friends have two totally different um, opinions on this. Lisa Gardner, she's like, she, she goes like neck deep in research. She does every, she finds, I mean, she will know what, bubble gum somebody's chewing and whatever and harlan coben is like no research i just get to the place and then i asterisk and say figure out how this would work um and so i'm definitely somewhere in between um in the benefit of having lived in san francisco and set you know the four standalones are there the rookie club is there schwartzman is largely there so i have a whole bunch of books set in that area which means i have access to wonderful human beings in the police department who answer my strange phone calls and emails where I ask bizarro questions that I'm sure are flagged by some government agency. Um, so I do that. The, the Schwartzman series is, she's a medical examiner. So for that, I actually have access to, and I'll share my contact if you ever need this, Allison, because he's amazing. The um, chief medical examiner for the state of uh, North Carolina. And he answers, again, bizarro questions. Like one of them was, could you strangle a person with dental floss? <laughs> and um, I know. And so he was like, you know, what he said, which is totally reasonable is try it on a watermelon. If you can cut through a watermelon with dental floss, then you can kill a human that way. And so I did that. And if you use Tom's dental floss, you can kill a human with um, dental floss. Tom's is a very strong, natural, the glide didn't work for me, but anyway, um, so I, um, so I, that's how sort of, I do it. I would say I do it. I do enough to know that I'm going to be able to pull this off. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't set a murder until I know that the murder could work and that, you know, whatever, you know, is it reasonable? I mean, everything's a little bit, obviously this fiction, but you know, readers are so savvy and so, um, suspicious that you, you really can't do something that's so far off, you know, reality. And so that is it. I do, I, I do some up front and then I do find myself where I'm like, oh, dang, okay, I don't know how this works. And now I have to stop and go figure it out and come back. Um, so that's sort of my research philosophy is. I'm probably where you are. Yeah. Because I couldn't do what Lisa does. You know, it would, I would never get any writing done. No. Um, but I do like to know um, that something's plausible, but I'm also in where I'll like do XXX in my yeah. book and just say I have to look this up I have to look that up yes um, I do that if it's not like if everything doesn't hinge on that moment yeah. right 
if it's just a detail and a lot of that happened for me in like the Schwartzman books, because there's so much medical stuff in that, that I was, you know, like, okay, talk to my guy about, you know, what would this look like? What would her, the insides of the body look like under these death circumstances? And that stuff is, I agree. Cause sometimes you don't want to disrupt the flow. You'd right. rather just be like, I got to get back to this. I got to figure this out. Uh, so that I'm there too. I think, yeah, it sounds like you and I are on the same page. Yeah, I call it, I call it my plot critical points. If it's not it, plot critical, then I'll just skip over it and get back to it later. Exactly. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. Plot critical. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. So now where um, can people find you online? So daniellegerard.com is my um, web address and Gerard is G-I-R-A-R-D. I'm on Instagram at Danielle Gerard Books. I'm on Facebook at author Danielle Gerard. You can find me also um, on the Killer Women. There's Danielle's Killer Women uh, on Facebook as well. That's the, the podcast and uh, you can see Allison on there. Um, and I don't do Twitter. I, I The number of characters... I, I just, I'm too late. I'm too wordy. So I can't manage, <laughs> I can't manage Twitter, but, um, but that, and I'm trying to get onto TikTok out, um, where I think I'm also Danielle Gerard books, but that is, seems like a young person's game. I think I might be too old for TikTok. I don't think you're too old for it. I um, actually have a friend of mine who's in army intelligence and that's why I don't have TikTok and I'll just leave it at that. Oh gosh. Okay. That's... So I got two of my kids to delete their TikTok accounts because Very you know it's fair. just you know and also you're right it is kind of a young person's thing but it's also a huge time suck and you could just like totally waste your time my daughter said um, when she got rid of tiktok she started playing her guitar more she started reading more she started um being less stressed because she was on it so much that she would like let things pile up like you know homework she's in college and things like that so it it would actually was very freeing not yeah. to have it on your phone at all yeah so that's I, why I I, I, I I think that's great maybe you can explain to me sometime how you convinced your kids to get off of it <laughs> I didn't I mean there this is the thing and I think you'll probably agree you can't tell your kids what to do when they're adults but you can tell them why you're think you they should do this or should right. do that and they have to make their own decision yeah most of my that kids listen to me <laughs> that's good well that I I would say you know me it's maybe 50 50. <laughs> I've only got two. Well, I should say it depends on they which listen day. to me. Yeah, they 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 all listen to me. Um, and some of them listen to me more than others. Exactly. <laughs> I I absolutely hear that. That is that is we raise them to be independent, which is great, and also sometimes a curse. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here and thank again authors on the air. Um and if you have any questions, go to Danielle's website, daniellegerard.com and fill out her contact form and ask her whatever you want about any of her books. I know she'll be happy to answer. I love, yeah, absolutely love to hear from people. So thank you, Authors on the Air and Pam, who is not with us today, but we're sending love to her. And Allison, thank you so much for this. This is super fun. And I look forward to talking again um, in the summer. Yep, we'll see you this summer. Okay, Thanks. bye.